Hi, welcome to the ACE Tip Podcast. We come to you from the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and via the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, of the National Institute on Drug Abuse's Justice Opioid Community Innovation Network, or JCOIN. I'm your host, Danielle Rudes, Associate Professor of Criminology, Law, and Society, and the Deputy Director at ACE, and one of the leads on the Capacity Building Corps of the CTC for JCOIN. This podcast is all about translating science into sense. It's about helping criminal justice practitioners, students, and everyday people learn about cool developments in the justice research world, but without all the dryness of the ivory tower. There's a lot of really great research out there, and we'd like to bring it to you in bite-sized doses to help you understand it and be able to use it. No PhD required. Each episode will break down scientific research into a 12 to 15 minute podcast. You can listen to it wherever you are and when it's convenient for you. We'll give you the science, but in a way that makes sense. We also finish with an explanation that translates the research into real words that explain why it's important and how and why you might want to use it. So let's get started. Change is hard. Moving to a different city, starting a new job, having a breakup, or when the grocery store stops offering your favorite brand of bread and you have to pick up a new one. It doesn't matter how big or small the change is, we are all creatures of habit and readjusting after a change can be difficult. The good news is that change is almost always possible. We're not forced to do, buy, be with, or behave in the same way for the rest of our lives. What a relief, right? The same thing happens in our jobs. Agencies go through thousands of big or small changes and workers need to adapt. Some changes might be easier than others, but the positive side is that all, well, maybe most of them are doable. This episode of the Ace Dip podcast is about probation, and we want to talk about one specific change in the field of probation. We know that in the past, the correctional system has been more about punishment than about rehabilitation. And we also know that lately, at least some of this has been changing. And at the least, some of the field is getting closer and closer to rehabilitation framework and further away from punishment. The article we're covering in today's episode is from authors Jill Viglione and Brandy Blasco in 2018. The article is titled, The Differential Impacts of Probation Staff Attitudes on the Use of Evidence-Based Practices. It was published in a journal called Psychology, Public Policy, and the Law. Let's be real. The move from rehabilitation to punishment is a gigantic change. It's a change in policies, practice, mindsets, etc., 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 but is it possible? Here's the science. Researchers Viglione and Blasco were interested in finding out if the attitudes probation officers have about new practices can influence that gigantic change from punishment to rehabilitation. This is a big task, so how'd they do it? Before we jump into their findings, we need to clarify first, what are the practices the authors are talking about? Community supervision has learned that instead of personal experience and that gut feeling we all have, Using evidence-based practices, or what's commonly called EBPs, is the way to go to have better and fairer results in probation supervision. This might sound easy, like, well, people use those practices, and that's it. Unfortunately, researchers have found that it is easier said than done. To correctly use EBPs in the field, practitioners need to follow a guide known as the Risk-Need-Responsivity Framework, or RNR. In practice, this guide 
is a combination of the level of risk of a probationer with their level of needs that they have to avoid reoffending and to be able to find a tailored service or services that will work for him or her to minimize the risk and need that they have. Now, we know this sounds a little more complicated than maybe you're ready for, but probation officers are lucky because they don't need to do all that R&R alone. What they need to do is combine EBPs with R&R when they use standardized assessments or tools, which themselves are EBPs. The probation officers enter the necessary information into these assessment tools, and the tools take care of everything. What the officers need to pay attention to is the results of the tools. They need to use them to create their case plan for probationers. Sounds easy again, right? Unfortunately, here is where we find the bad news that Viglione and Blasco wanted to look at. Probation officers don't always like or believe in these EBPs and R&R ideas, and for that reason, they don't always use the assessment tools. Why? Because, like I said at the beginning, change is hard. It is understandable that changing from full punishment to more rehabilitation is hard or difficult. After a lifetime of following the just punishment rules and practices, probation officers might have a hard time in suddenly changing and using rehabilitation stuff. And here's where our authors jump in. They were wondering, what are the attitudes of probation officers about EBPs? And are those attitudes influencing their use of assessment tools? So here's the sense. The very, very, very summarized answer is, if a probation officer has, one, positive attitudes about the agency, two, support from their leaders, and three, less doubt about the change in their organization, they will have positive attitudes about EBPs and, surprise, surprise, they'll use the tools. How are they able to figure this out? Let's summarize. First, the authors collected 239 responses from an online survey that they did with probation staff in 12 offices in one mid-Atlantic state. The probation officers were mostly white women with an average of 40 years, a third had a bachelor's degree, the average caseload was 60 probationers, and most of them have been on the job for about 10 years. Just an FYI that this state was also implementing and training the officers about EBPs at the time of the study. Then, the authors made a fancy statistical analysis where they looked at the attitudes of each probation officer and also the differences among the 12 probation offices. But let's stop with the very specific details and go into the meat of this podcast, the findings. To make it easier, I'm going to enumerate them. One, probation staff with fewer caseloads were more likely to have positive attitudes toward EBPs. Two, Staff with positive attitudes toward EBPs were more likely to use case planning practices with their probationers. Three, leadership is very important in supporting the implementation of EBPs. Four, probation officers with positive attitudes about the agency resulted in positive attitudes about EBPs and officers also reported using case planning practices more frequently. Five, the attitudes about EBPs can influence the attitudes about EBPs and using the tools. So what now? What can we do with this knowledge? Viglione and Blasco make three suggestions. First, before jumping into using EBPs and tools like assessment tools, we need to demonstrate the importance and value of these research-informed strategies to probation officers. Second, 
Training about these new strategies usually means targeting the street-level officers, like probation officers, but agencies should also train supervisors as well as the street-level workers. And third, to create a positive culture about change in a probation agency or any agency, the involvement of leadership in new practices is very important. So there you have it. Change is hard everywhere, including probation, but with the right ideas and the right pre-planning, change is totally possible. That wraps another episode of the Ace Tip Podcast, where we translate science into sense. Also, remember, you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language and short knowledge burst, which are essentially 30-second overviews of all the research we cover on the JCoin website. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will definitely help you translate this research to your staff, friends, colleagues, or students. Additionally, we'd like to thank NIDA, Dr. Faye Taxman, and all the students and staff at ACE, including our podcast mastermind, Shannon Magnuson, who is the brainchild behind this podcast. Two additional notes. If you're a researcher and you'd like us to consider using your research for an upcoming podcast, send it to me at d-r-u-d-e-s at gmu.edu. If you'd like to support our podcast to keep the sense coming, tell your colleagues and staff about ACEDIT or assign us to your students. Thanks for listening. Please tune in again soon for another episode of the ACEDIT podcast, where we translate science into sense.